You just open your hands for a moment. Jesus, thank you. Thank you for being willing to come to truly be Emmanuel, God with us. And this morning, we desire to receive afresh a generous gift who you are. All you've done. Lord, come. Open your word to us today that we might hear afresh and anew what you have to speak to us as a congregation this Advent season. Thank you that you have been speaking to us and once again we welcome you to speak to us again this morning. Welcome, Lord. Jesus' name. God's people said? Amen. This morning we are in week four of our five-week Advent series entitled Generous Gift. And um, over these last several weeks, we have been looking in light of that generous gift of how that gift overflows into our lives. In fact, you know, it's kind of like that cup of water. Whatever's inside is what's going to flow out. And out of this, um, as we've been immersing ourselves in the wellspring of His generous gift, several things have been overflowing in and through us. There's been, Pastor Sam preached um, back at the end of November, right after Thanksgiving, about overflowing gratitude. And the first week in December, I spoke about overflowing goodness. And uh, last week, Pastor Ben spoke about overflowing grace. And if you missed any of those, there are CDs and PowerPoints back in the, um, on the back table that you can pick up. And if you're able to drop in a couple bucks to help cover the cost of that, that's great. Or you can always go to the website and pull those down from the media section there and kind of get into the flow of what God has been speaking to us This morning, in a sense, is going to wrap several of these things together, and then next week, on Christmas Sunday, we're going to culminate with a message entitled The Generous Gift, and uh, again, I just would welcome you to join us uh, for Christmas Day services, and whatever your family traditions are, if your traditions are that you do a lot in the morning as a family and and aren't able to to join us here in St. Paul in the morning, uh, that's why we are grateful that we have a 6 o'clock in the evening uh, service. And others of you, like our family, where we'll be doing more things later on in the afternoon and evening, uh, we'll be here uh, on Sunday morning. And both of my older daughters and their husbands will be here. So it'll be the whole Olson tribe filling up a pew here, which will be wonderful. And uh, we just want to welcome you to join us. But this morning, in a sense, really uh, wraps together some of the um, other messages that we've already spoken about um, in terms of goodness, grace, and gratitude. And so um, I'm going to ask you to just watch for those threads as they flow through uh, the message uh, this morning. So we are going to begin, we're speaking today about overflowing generosity. Today our focus is on overflowing generosity. And what I'd like to suggest to us this morning is that overflowing generosity 
comes out of, first and foremost, the wellspring of God's goodness. Generosity is not primarily a sort of a um, some sort of behavioral discipline that we do. It's it really comes out of a heartfelt response to the goodness of God. And in all of these messages and everything that we, you know, my understanding of transformation is always that it happens from the inside out. And so we always go back to the taproot. We're always going back to the wellspring because I think sometimes otherwise generosity is something that we could easily sort of just say it's something that we should do. We know that we ought to give more. But that doesn't really motivate any of us very well. And so we have to come back to that wellspring because otherwise what I'm fearful of in all of these messages and anything that we talk about in terms of transformation here is that if we're doing it out of our own strength and energy, we'll soon be drawing on a very dry cistern which Jeremiah makes very clear that when we come and we're doing it out of our own dry cistern rather than out of the wellspring of his heart, it's not going to last very long, is it? So what I'd like to invite us into this morning is something far greater than just Acts of generosity, though I certainly want to invite us into that as well. But I want to invite us into an actual lifestyle flow of generosity. And in order to get there, we've got to come back to the wellspring. Titus chapter 3. Titus chapter 3, the Apostle Paul is speaking to his one of his protégés, Titus. And he's reminding them about how they're supposed to live their lives. And in Titus chapter 3, verses 3 to 7, he gives some insight into what, how things were and how things are. And it's the contrast of those two that should connect with our spirit this morning and draw us deep, put that bucket down into the wellspring of the goodness of God. You see, he says, at one time, we too, yes, say me too, say me too, was foolish, disobedient, deceived, enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. We lived in malice and envy, being hated and hating one another. But when? 
Love that. But when? But when the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared, He saved us not because of righteous things that we had done, but because of His mercy. This is the heart of the word that I shared yesterday with our friends from Bhutan. And thank you, Naomi, for bringing a testimony about that. It truly was just a remarkable time. And as I shared with them, I will remind you of this morning the difference between Christianity and all other religions is this. I mean, the question that all religions are trying and attempting to answer is how can I make myself acceptable to God? How can I bridge this gap, this infinite gap between me and God who lives in perfect light and I live here on earth in this sinfulness, in this brokenness, in in my weakness, in all that I am? How am I going to bridge the gap between me and God? What must I do? As the rich young ruler came to Jesus, what must I do to inherit eternal life? This is the question which every religion in the world seeks to answer. And Christianity gives an answer which is completely different than every other religion in the world. Which is why it is unique. And not simply a path to God but the only way to God. Because in every other religion in the world, the way to become acceptable to God, the way to bridge the gap between me and God, is by following and doing a certain set of things. And it's different in every religion. But it all starts with me and what I must do to earn God's favor. If I pray these prayers, if I give this incense, if I make these sacrifices, if I do these good things, whatever it is, it's always a set. If I keep this set of rules and regulations, whatever it is, every religion has all of those things as the centerpiece of how I bridge the gap between God and I. But Christianity says there is nothing Absolutely nothing that you can do to earn God's favor. You can't be good enough. You can't pray enough. You can't go to church enough. You can't do good deeds enough. You can't make enough sacrifices. You can't keep enough rules. There is absolutely nothing that you can do to earn God's Christianity says it's a gift. And what must you do to earn a gift? You don't do anything to earn a gift. You simply open your hands and receive a gift. A gift is not something earned, it's something received. Back on August 4th, JoLynn received 
the gift of Jesus. She didn't earn that. She received it. And that's why Christianity is radically different because it does not begin with us. It begins with Him and it begins with His grace. And it isn't a religion primarily. It's a relationship with a living God through Jesus. That's why, you know, we read these words and they're so familiar, but would you please let them land deep in your spirit again this morning? We lived in malice and envy, being hated and hating one another. But when the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared, He saved us. Y'all can shout about that. Are you happy? Let your face know it. He saved us. Not because of righteous things we had done, but because of what? His Saved us through the washing. Love that, Denise. You got washed. That was great. In the laundry room. As a co-worker shared with her. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit. Whom He poured out on us, what? Sparingly. Stingily. What? generously through Jesus Christ, our Savior. So that, so that, having been justified by His grace, we might become heirs, having hope of eternal life. This is the Gospel. This is incredible He poured out on us generously so that having been justified by His grace, we might become heirs having hope of eternal life. No longer slaves, but heirs having hope of eternal life. And guess what? Eternal life doesn't begin when you die. Some people think eternal life is something that happens after you physically die. No. Eternal life is something that begins as soon as you receive the gift. You step from death to life. This morning, This Advent season, maybe you've heard, you know, and and Christmas is all kind of, it's a little bit muzzy and muddled in your mind. You've heard about it, you know some pieces of it, you maybe have sat in church, maybe you've been in church for several years, and you've never, it's never quite fully made sense. This morning, this morning I want this to be absolutely and crystal clear to you. It is not about what you are doing for God. It's about what He has already done for you. And it's about receiving 
that gift. I don't think I can make it any clearer than that. And I want to invite you into relationship today with this Jesus, with this God who loves you. And this reality, this is the, the, the wellspring of generosity is the generous goodness of God towards us. That's what absolutely just engenders within us a generous heart and a generous spirit. So let's look at it together. The goodness of God is revealed to us through His generous kindness, love, mercy. It is that. And His grace which results in the rebirth and renewal of our lives. The goodness of God is revealed to us through that generous kindness, love, mercy, and grace. And the result is, our lives are transformed. You, there is no way that you can reform and change your life. Again, is the testimony this morning that JoLynn had from many, many years ago when her mom had died and the, and the bitterness and the hardness that was around her. There was no way that she could change that by herself. It was in the kindness and love and mercy and grace of God that transformation came. All right. The wellspring of generosity is the goodness of God. The spring of generosity is the grace of God. The spring of generosity is the grace of God. The grace of God. So we have this wellspring that springs up. So now, are you catching the threads we talked a couple of weeks about, about, ago about the goodness of God. This morning we're talking about the generosity of God which flows from that wellspring of His goodness that springs forth in the grace of God. Remember this, and uh, Tom referenced this earlier this morning, whoever sows sparingly will also reap Sparingly, whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver and God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. As it is written, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor, Their righteousness endures forever. This is the grace of God coming out of the wellspring of His goodness flows this spring of His grace. 
the favor of God. The mercy, the kindness, the things that we spoke of, that very grace, it is the spring that that becomes visible. You know, the wellspring is the goodness. It's that thing which is under the earth. It's under, it's at the very forming, at the very foundations of who we are. But it begins to get expressed. It begins to spring forth as an expression of the grace of God. Now, that grace is released in us as we receive His abundance and raise then our standard of giving. So now we're talking about the response to the wellspring. What happens is His abundance flows into our lives and His abundance of His grace, which is expressed in so many ways, in so many different capacities, in so many different expressions into our lives, in order that abundance comes not to raise in the American dream, it's to raise your standard of what? Standard of what? Your standard of living. That's the American dream. The kingdom dream is that as the abundance of God comes into our lives, it enables us to raise our standard of giving. Kingdom economy is different than American economy. In the American economy, the one with the most toys at the end wins. In kingdom economy, the one who gives away the most toys at the end wins. What blocks generosity from freely flowing in our lives? What blocks that spring? What, you know, I, I, I just saw a headline this morning about the sediment down in Lake Pepin that's coming down. You know, there's all this sediment that's flowing in and it's changing the quality of the water. And what is it that, what is it in our lives that can block us? That can block that generosity from flowing? What is the sediment that blocks that from freely Scripture is very clear here. It's when we give grudgingly. The words there, reluctantly and under compulsion, or as the young boy uh, in his translation said, Oh, Daddy, Daddy, I don't want to give with convulsions. (laughs) And some people, that might be the feel when you're giving, you know, your, your, your wallet may have some convulsions. The words literally mean with sorrow and distress. And that's a heart issue. And we need to go back to the wellspring to blow through that, to, to, to break through that sediment in our spirit and in our soul. Scripture is very clear in Deuteronomy 15. It says, give generously to them and do so without a grudging heart. Then because of this, the Lord your God will bless you in all your work and everything you put your hand to. There will 
always be poor people in the land. Therefore, I command you to be open-handed towards your fellow Israelites who are poor and needy in your land. God doesn't say, I suggest to you that it might be a good idea if you were to somehow uh, just, you know, think about maybe it'd be okay to, you know, just, just give, a, you know, just, no. He says, open your hands. Be open-hearted towards your fellow Israelites who are poor and needy in your life. And give how? Give how? Give how? Give generously. Your time, your energy, your resources. This is one of the incredible things. Again, we talked about it yesterday. I mean, this just amazes me. How Jesus came to earth... God with us. Philippians 2. He had everything in heaven and He willingly left all of that to come here. He was a refugee. Displaced from His home. Totally vulnerable. Helpless. Powerless. What could be more vulnerable than a baby in a feeding trough? What open hands God had towards us. So what opens generosity? It enables that generosity to flow freely when we give cheerfully. And cheerfully literally means with liberality and delight. Cheerfulness is not something that is just simply, you know, uh, a, a, a false happy face on your, uh, you know, happy face smile, but rather it is a, a, a disposition of liberality and delight. It's when you get to say, oh man, I get to give this away. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesied, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it's serving, then serve. If it's teaching, teach. If it's encouraged, then give encouragement. If it's giving, then give generously. If it's to lead, do it diligently. If it's to show mercy, do it cheerfully. I wasn't sure if I was going to tell this story, but I think I will. A friend of mine uh, who I know who's uh, a spiritual director, and she she wrote this, and this is going to be kind of odd for me to read because she's talking about a black skirt. Okay, but you ladies in the house will get this, okay? So, all right. She calls it the saga of the black skirt. She said, every time I wear my favorite black skirt, I get a chance to tell the story of how it dropped into my life. And that story makes me deeply grateful for the graceful way this skirt came to be mine. I was on a rare trip since I have consciously chosen not to travel much. A group of women were gathering at a retreat center to apply a model of faith I had written about to their lives. 
The two leaders for the weekend were friends and colleagues of mine, and I was enthralled with the creative ways in which they engaged us with the material. One after another, the retreatants shared their core life experiences with the group. It was a weekend filled with depth and holy surprises. The reason that so many women could share at such deep levels was that the atmosphere at the retreat was safe, personal, and inspiring. I felt my own soul being fed, which is sometimes difficult when my material is the subject of the teaching. But in this group, I could participate fully and allow myself to be fed. There was something different about this retreat. There was a spirit alive within this group, and we could feel it. We had a full and poignant opening day of learning and sharing. As Alan, one of the retreat leaders, was presenting a portion of the material on a specific stage of faith, I was mesmerized by her total persona, calm, grounded, inviting. Her whole appearance spoke of her grace, simple and beautiful. She wore a light yellow V-neck sweater and a charming long black skirt that had squares on it with fringed edges. The fabric inside the squares was thin enough to see through, giving the skirt a magical quality, yet it was black, so it was very subtle. By the way, guys don't look at things that we don't, We don't see all that, all right, just so you know. But Janet did. All right, she saw this, all right. She said, I fell in love with Ellen's skirt because it was so magical and looked so good good on her. After her session, I complimented her on it and then laughingly said that if she discovered her skirt missing at the end of the weekend, she would know where to come and look for it. She laughed and said that this was her favorite skirt. The next morning when I opened my door to go to our shared bathroom, there was a little gift outside my door. It was Ellen's favorite skirt, wrapped in tissue with a note saying she really appreciated me and wanted me to have it. I was moved to tears. And then a not-so-deserving part of myself convinced me that I had to give it back. I paused long enough to let my other, more healed voice get a chance to speak, and it told me that I had rarely experienced this kind of generosity with material things, and it moved me to a deeper place of gratitude. I'm usually so independent and self-sufficient that this is an opportunity to receive her kind generosity to me. So it may have been harder for me to receive the gift than it was for her to give it. Although, as I thought about it, giving away my favorite clothing item would not be easy either. I stepped back into my room and I put the skirt on and it was beautiful. I loved it even more when I felt it around me. I wore it that day and everyone loved it. But mostly they loved the story of Ellen giving it to me, her favorite skirt. It must have struck a chord for many women there as it had been for, as it had for me since I tend to hoard my stuff, especially my favorite stuff. I think I'm afraid that if I give away my things, they'll not be replaced or I won't have enough, yet my closets are overflowing with clothes I rarely wear. What a messy predicament. Ellen was offering me another alternative. Be generous out of love. Try letting go of my favorite things and see the joy they bring to others. Try letting go of things that are not even my favorites and notice the freedom I feel inside. I have a feeling that if I trust God more for all of my needs, it will be easier to give away my stuff, even my favorite things. To my surprise, I was about to learn another important thing about giving generously because it was an even more delicious ending to the story. The delicious ending is this. One of Ellen's good friends, who was also at the retreat, had an identical skirt to Ellen's, except it was one size larger. Without Ellen knowing it, her friend had her skirt taken in and then sent it to Ellen. So she received her favorite skirt back and now we can both wear them.
Ellen was as surprised and thrilled with her friend's generosity as I was with hers. Sincere generosity like Ellen's spreads and moves others to do the same. It changes both the giver and the receiver. No guilt, no strings attached, no agendas, just a free gift. So the learning for me is to give out of love and out of a place of inner freedom, sometimes even giving something away before I have come to that place of inner freedom. If I believe that God will multiply my generosity and also provide what I need, then I can give freely to others, and the joy that comes from giving freely is like no other. Now, after receiving this surprising and generous gift from a loving heart, I'm wondering how my grateful heart will respond and what I will be willing to give away in love. That's a good story. Very practical. And it illustrates this giving with liberality and delight. The wellspring is the goodness of God. The spring that overflows is the grace of God. The spring of generosity overflowing through us, this overflowing generosity comes through our generous giving. Second Corinthians 8, very familiar passage to many of us. Paul is, is, um, is, is spurring on the Corinthian church by sharing a testimony with them. He says, now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches in the midst of a very severe trial. Their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty, listen to this, their overflowing joy and extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. I don't know that I've ever experienced extreme poverty. When Annette and I first got married and we moved up to our first church that we served, we were definitely living well below the poverty line. I don't think it was extreme poverty, but it was impoverished from an American standard of living standpoint, which is much higher than most of the rest of the world. But I I do know that God taught us much in that time about generosity and about holding things with open hands. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able, even beyond their ability. Have you ever had a time where you've been given, where you have given beyond your ability? Entirely on their own, they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the Lord's people, and they exceeded our expectations. They gave themselves, listen to this, first of all to the Lord, and then by the will of God also to us. That's a key. So we urged Titus, there's Titus again, just as he had earlier made a beginning, to bring also to completion this act of grace on your part. But since you excel in everything, in faith and speech and knowledge and complete earnestness and in the love we have kindled into you, see that you also excel in the grace of giving. That's something I would like to be known for. I would like to be known as one who excels in the grace of giving. I would like for this church, I would like us to be known. And I think we are already well on that way of building that culture of generosity here in this house. And God has been gracious, and as we've opened our hands, He has been faithful. How can we excel in the grace of generous giving? Scriptural principles. Give steadily. 
1 Corinthians 16.2. Give steadily. How do you begin to develop generosity? Give. You're not going to develop it by thinking about it. Yeah? I thought about giving. Just start giving. And do it steadily, consistently, regularly. Give selflessly. It's not about you. It's, it's not yours to begin with. It's the Lord's. Give selflessly. Give sacrificially. Several years ago, we did the, some of you will remember, we did the overflow of blessing. We had been, quick story for those of you that weren't here. We had, we, we were in a time where we were needing some more resources in order to do some things that we felt the Lord had spoken us to do. And so we were fasting and praying. We had 40 days of fasting and prayer. We were fasting and praying for overflow. We were asking the Lord to open up the heaven's gates and and pour in enough so that we would be able to give out. And about a week or two in, somebody sent me an email and said, I think I've heard something from the Lord. And what I've heard from the Lord is this. I want you to give away your overflow. So we took that to heart. We began to pray. And the Lord gave us very clear direction about that. And we gave... Some of you were here at the time. If you remember, we brought, we prayed and asked, Lord, what do you want us to give? Not just go back into your closet and find the old ratty jeans that don't fit anymore from high school. But God, what good things, what are the things, what beautiful things, what important things, what is it that you want us to give away? How can we hold with open hands? And we did. We brought it here. The body came and then we threw it open to the community, and it was incredible. Tens of thousands of dollars worth of goods flowed from here, free. Out of that came the flow of blessing, which is the ongoing way in which this congregation, which we can share our needs and share what we have and give and receive, and it's beautiful. Yesterday, we got a, uh, a, a double bad from the flow of blessing because... Our double bed that was in our house was really tired. Really, really tired. But that came. That's that overflow. That's it sacrificially. Giving sacrificially. Give substantially. Second Corinthians 9. There is no need for me to write to you about this service to the saints, for I know your eagerness to help. I've been boasting about it since the, to the Macedonians, telling them that since last year, you and Acacia were ready to give, and your enthusiasm has stirred most of them to action. But I'm sending the brothers in order that our boasting to you in this matter should not prove hollow, but that you may be ready, as I said you would be. For if any Macedonians come with me and find you unprepared, we, not to say anything about you, would be ashamed of having been so confident. So I thought it necessary to urge the brothers to visit you in advance and finish the arrangements for the generous gift that you had promised. Then it will be ready as a generous gift, not as one grudgingly given. It will be a generous gift, a substantial gift, ready to be given. Second Corinthians 9, 12-14. This service that you perform is not only 
supplying the needs of the Lord's people, but is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. Because of the service by which you have proved yourselves, others will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the Gospel of Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone else. And in their prayers for you, their hearts will go out to you because of the surpassing grace God has given to you. What is the result? What return can we expect when we excel in generous giving? It's right here embedded in this Scripture. Others are blessed. We are blessed. And God is blessed. When we excel in generous giving, others get blessed. We get blessed. God gets blessed. Everybody gets blessed. And it's a really good thing. Yes? Amen. The wellspring is the goodness of God. The spring is the grace of God. The overflow of this is gratitude to God. Thanks be to God for His indescribable gift. Thus, goodness, grace, and gratitude all woven together in this overflowing generosity. Worship team, come on up. We're going to close. We're going to sing a great Christmas hymn that declares and reminds us afresh of the generosity of God towards us, the wellspring of His goodness, the spring of His grace in His life, which overflows in gratitude in our hearts. And I want to urge each of you and us as a congregation as we receive the generous gift of His life to us, that we will excel in the grace of giving and that there will be an overflow of generosity that will come from the heart of this house. We saw it yesterday. I've seen it over and over again in this house. And I'm so deeply, deeply encouraged by what I see God doing. And I want to encourage us to continue to walk in this grace. Can we stand together? Let's open our hands. Hallelujah. Jesus. Lord, we are overwhelmed by your goodness. We thank you for the life that you have given to us. That once We were far away, but now we have been drawn near by Your life and love and goodness. So today, Lord, we receive Your goodness and Your grace as it becomes expressed through our lives. And we choose to respond, Lord, with open-handed and open-hearted gratitude And with generous giving from our lives as you have so generously poured into ours. We thank you now. We bless you. We honor you. We rejoice in your goodness. And now I pray that you would be filled afresh today 
with the immeasurable love of God the Father, with the irresistible mercy and grace of Jesus Christ the Son, the inexhaustible strength and power, comfort and hope of the Holy Spirit be with you and yours as you go from this house to yours, sent to make disciples of all nations. Until we gather again, either in this house or in our eternal home, I bless you, people of God. I bless you in the name of the Lord. Go with His favor as a banner over your lives until we gather again. In Jesus' name, God bless you. Amen.